Hi everyone, this is Jean-Marc. I am the creator of DataMesh, uh, the founder of Next Data. We are reimagining what data sharing could look like. We are growing our team rapidly and we need you. If you are a distributed systems engineer, if you're a product manager or designer of a large-scale PaaS SaaS infrastructure, please check out our page at nextdata.com and look at our open roles. We'd love to hear from you. Data Mesh Radio is provided as a free community resource by Data Mesh Understanding. It is produced and hosted by me, Scott Hurlman. I started this podcast as a place for practitioners to get useful information about Data Mesh and we're at over 200 episodes. I've now left Data Stacks, you know, thanks for all their help in founding things, but I've left to start Data Mesh Understanding, which is also helping practitioners to get to the information needed to do Data Mesh well. We have free implementer introduction and roundtable programs, in addition to the more advanced yet affordable offerings. So please do get in touch if you're looking for more information on how to do, how to approach Data Mesh. Just check datameshunderstanding.com for more info. There's also a helpful organization of past Data Mesh radio episodes there if you want to dig into specific topics rather than digging through 200 different episodes. So with that, let's hit the funky intro music and listen to what you'll hear about in this interview episode. This episode, I interview Paolo Plater, CTO at Agile Labs, which is a consulting company has been uh, working on data mesh implementations for almost two years now. Uh, Paolo has a really interesting concept that he's been running with uh, his, his clients that are looking at data mesh around how to find your data products. And that's kind of a two-phase approach of how to find your data products that already exist that you need to migrate to the data mesh, as well as how to figure out what data products you need to support the business processes that you, um, that you, that you should be supporting with data products by creating kind of consumer-aligned um, data products. Uh, he gives us some great information about uh, putting together an implementation plan for how you're actually going to go and create these data products or migrate them to the mesh. We talk somewhat about measuring the success of, of a data product. And is that something that's still an emerging concept? I, I think the answer is, is yes, but he's got some interesting thoughts on kind of where we are right now on, on how to, to measure that. And, you know, I think one of the big focus points is, is talking about this information gap um, why, and why that's a good way to model out what you need to do to create data products in data mesh. Um, you know, if you have a an approach to 
actually talk with the business stakeholders and bring them in and not try to just say, here's data to support what you're doing, but really dig down into what are you trying to accomplish and why and how could data support that and work backwards rather than trying to create a, a data model and, and things for those, those consumers and just say, here, here it is, use it. Um, and they're kind of like, oh, this is great. And I'll know how to deal with this. So um, I, I, this was a really awesome interview. Um, I learned a lot from it. And I think this is a really interesting approach to, to kind of going domain by domain once you've kind of mapped out your bounded context for figuring out, again, what data products you've already got in some semblance and where you need to, to really work on creating these uh, things to really align the business um, line of business folks to what you're trying to do with data mesh. So I, I, as I said, really enjoyed this and I hope you do too. Okay, enough of just me. Let's hear from our awesome guest in this interview episode. Welcome, everybody, to this episode. I'm really excited to have uh, Paulo Plotter here from Agile Labs. Uh, he's been working on some uh, data mesh implementations with uh, customers and uh, has some really great perspectives. So, um, Paulo, could you tell everybody, you know, kind of your uh, a little bit about your background and then we can jump into your background around data mesh specifically, but, uh, and, and a little bit about what Agile Labs does as well. Yeah, sure. Uh, it's a pleasure for me to be, to be here. Thanks for uh, inviting me. I'm Paolo Platter. I'm the CTO and co-founder of Agile Lab. Agile Lab uh, is a consulting firm uh, focusing uh, on uh, big data technologies and data management uh, in general. Our journey started in 2013, so we are really early adopters of such kind of paradigm. Um, and we love to craft a data platform for our customer and try to push them to embrace new technologies, new paradigms, uh, to become more data-driven. And obviously, data mesh uh, is, one of, uh, is one of those. My personal background, uh, instead, uh, I, I am a software engineer. Uh, I worked in finance uh, for a while, and then when we started to, uh, when we started Agile Lab, uh, I completely changed uh, my my focus, uh, switching on data management and big data technologies. Uh, and now, <laughs> uh, Agile Lab is a, is a company of 
something like 80 people uh, working uh, across multiple customer and multiple countries. So we are looking forward to, to drive our internationalization uh, in, uh, in the next years. Awesome. Thank you very much. And, and I also kind of have the financial services background. I'm, I'm finding that is pretty common around the data <laughs> mesh space. I, I think it's, it's uh, I don't know if it's everybody tried to run as far away from financial services or that it's just that those are the people who've seen the pain most acutely. I, th- I think it's more the second, but um, yeah. so yeah, thanks so much for, for um, being on and, and, you know, can you give people a little bit of background about what you've been doing with data mesh and then we can get into kind of the the topic that you want to cover today which was is data product flow yeah uh yeah uh we started uh, with data mesh uh in uh, early 2020 uh with a customer of us um so we it, it is more or less two years that we are digging into uh, such concept. Uh, we also experimented a lot of uh, solutions uh, and architecture. Failed also <laughs> several times. Mm-hmm. That is good. That is good to learn something. Uh, and uh, we are still uh, refining uh, uh, our our vision related to data mesh. Uh, we are also building. Uh, uh, platforms uh, for customer and also uh, an internal platform uh, that will become uh, probably a product that is a data mesh enabler. Um, And right now we we have uh, several uh, data mesh initiatives uh, running uh, uh, with different customers. So we are gaining uh, a huge uh, perspective on on this topic. uh, with different kind of companies and organization. Someone is more agile, someone is more uh, structured. So uh, we, we, are, we are experimenting uh, a lot also uh, in terms of uh, adoption curve and um, how to drive a roadmap of implementation in different kind of uh, organization that is one of the most important topic for for data mesh because first then um, an architectural pattern is a, an organizational and socio technical uh, pattern no so it's really really uh, a complex um, topic to address in uh, in the in, in the actual organizations let's say yeah, I, I, I'm finding this a lot too of, of people uh, want, you know, kind of super structured guidance. And a lot of it is, well, it depends. And, um, you know, it's not just, okay, here's how you even do just like a data literacy program, or here's how you do uh, X or Y or Z. It's, it's, it's very, um, it's necessary to think about what are your uh, constraints. And, and I liked what you said of, um, you know, you're building platforms for customers and then building also a tool to enable platforms because I think that if we try to have cookie cutter platforms for everybody, 
it's it's going to fail, right? Because the way people work and the the technologies that people want to use or, or capabilities that they need um, are different. And so if we can create the the capabilities to build that platform or, uh, you know, talk about how we abstract capabilities away to give to the domains to make their jobs easier. It's, it's really interesting. So, um, you know, you specifically wanted to cover data product flow. Why don't you uh, give a little bit of background as to what that means to you and kind of where you want to dig into today and, and you know, kind of discuss that. Yeah. Basically, what has happened uh, in along these two years uh, is that when uh, when you're when you're approaching a, a new customer and explaining uh, the data mesh, uh, uh, the enablers, uh, the different planes of uh, data product uh, experience, supervision plane, uh, okay, everything is fine. The, the concept is super cool, uh, but uh, at certain point, uh, uh, someone will ask you, okay, but how do I identify uh, a data product? Uh, or how do I identify all the data products that I have potentially in my, in my domains? No? Uh, and this question <laughs> is, is, really, is, really, is really hard to answer. So um, we we tried to to define uh, a standard uh, a standard way or uh, maybe it's better to say uh, we standardized a procedure to drive uh, this discovery process no uh, the way you discover the data products that you have in in the domain or that you still don't have in in your domain um, so because um, because data mesh uh, is fully inspired by uh, domain-driven design principles, uh, first, uh, first of all, we try to to understand how this problem is addressed in in in, uh, in software um, in software crafting uh, when when you apply domain-driven design principles to to the software design. Um, we discovered that uh, there are several uh, ways to address this. There are uh, many, many uh, practice to do that. Um, and the, the one that inspired uh, us the most uh, was um, uh, event sourcing by Alberto Brandolini, uh, is an Italian uh, uh, an Italian guy as well. Okay, did, uh, did, did that uh, impact your decision as to why you would do it with that? Or <laughs> obviously, some some patriotism <laughs> is is rising here. Um, no, the, the the reason why even storming uh, is uh, is very good to apply in uh, in uh, in the data landscape is because. Uh, event storming is focusing on events, no? And uh, events are the, um, the the foundation to create some uh, immutable uh, storage of data. Uh, also, if you want to address uh, B temporality um, uh, feature that is proposed by by Zamac in uh, in in how data products should persist the data. Basically, when you track all the events in your business process, you are tracking 
all the possible data that will be generated because every event is generating some uh, some data. Instead, other um, other procedures to discover domains are more uh, focusing on communication flows, human interaction, stuff like this that is not really uh, bindable to to the data. Okay, instead, uh, events are really uh, foundation for um, also for the analytical uh, the analytical practice. Yeah, so. It, 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 sorry to interject, but it's almost like you're you're talking about um, sharing your business context via not direct exchange of data, and that that also is kind of creating a data product. So how do you create that that people who don't necessarily have that one to one connection, or to make it more scalable? How do you share that? Is 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 that the way? Is, is that what you're talking about? Or no, no, no. I'm still talking about how. Starting from the business process, mm-hmm. no, that is uh, underlying basically every kind of business. So if we talk about uh, the sales domain, uh, you will have several processes running uh, inside the, the sales domain. So the first step of data product flow uh, is to identify aggregates uh, using the event storming um, procedure. That is a way to uh, track and discover your business process uh, and uh, rationalize it uh, according with domain-driven design principle and create right. the, the aggregates, okay? But aggregates are still not uh, data product or uh, maybe aggregates can be mapped with the source-aligned data product, okay? So all the data products that are really paired and binded with the operational systems that is where the business process is running so the business process is running on top of operational systems operational systems are generating data and then you can map this data with source aligned data products (laughs) okay uh, the next step is okay but uh, in the data analytics uh, space i want to create new data, I want to extract value from uh, um, uh, from, from my data. Uh, and this is not strictly related with the business process itself. Uh, the idea here is uh, to uh, instead uh, still rely on, on, on the business process. So what we do, so the first part is uh, even storming to create uh, such aggregates. And then it starts uh, the data product flow procedure. Uh, basically what we do on each step of the business process uh, we uh, we, defi- we we try to discover which are the business decision that people are taking in order to um, to do uh, to to develop the the business process let's let's do an example uh, if I if I am uh, in uh, um, uh, in a recruiting process in HR uh, in in the HR domain, let's say, uh, at certain point uh, I need to screen the the, um, the 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 curriculum that are coming uh, in uh, in my HR system. Okay, in in, in this in this phase uh, there are people that are. Uh, 
basically opening uh, the, curru the curriculum, uh, looking at the characteristics of the candidate, uh, trying to match uh, with the role and the position that they mm -hmm. are offering. So this is a business decision. I mean, so they have to decide which candidate is good or not uh, to go um, to proceed in, in, in the business process. Okay. So uh, once we identify all the business decision that domain experts are taking uh, along the process, mm -hmm. um, we start from here and we try to understand, okay, but uh, if I want to automate this decision or uh, if I want to support this decision, maybe it's not possible to fully automate uh, a business decision coming from a domain expert, but it's, po it's possible to help this and support this business decision to uh, augment the efficiency, to reduce cost, uh, to save time from people and so on. Uh, and from here, we start to, to draft and to design the consumer-aligned data product. So, okay, we, we, we understand that there is a business decision that we can automate and, and we try to link this business decision with all the data, with all the events that we defined previously uh, with the event sourcing uh, step. And in this way, we, we realize uh, which data products are useful to improve our business process. So it's very business-oriented way to think uh, to think to the data, no? Because we are not modeling the data um, starting from the data. We are modeling the data starting from the business decision that are impacting the business process. So it's really a uh, business-oriented way to think to the data, and we are going backward from business decision until to reach. The data product, um, yeah, the the source-oriented data product that are uh, on the on the operational side of the story. Right, um, that makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's it's that you're basically you're you're are you looking for the gaps with that or or because if you're saying okay, I'm the domain and here's the data that I know I have, and yeah. it might it might be that people conceptualize here's the data that other people would want to use. Um, and that you're not sharing every piece of data you've got, right? It, it, that can be obviously quite overwhelming. But then you go to the other side and say, okay, what is the demand of what people are already doing? And, you know, you could probably extend that to go and interview those business process people and say, what's the demand of what you can't do that you would like to do? And that that, that goes into your data product roadmap. But you're you're saying what is it that you're actually doing where and then what's the data that could help to inform or drive this decision whether it's again the the automation because it's toil work and it's not something where humans really need to be involved versus it is something that humans should be involved with and that they're the ones but they need they their decisions would be made in a more efficient manner whether that's better decisions or quicker decisions or whatever, if they have more data. And then you kind of go back to the source and say, 
how can we get this data or what data can we get to augment and, and make that decision, that business process decision easy? Is, is that a good summation of it? Yeah, 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 uh, exactly. It's, it's a really interesting concept for, for going because it's, it's kind of supply side and demand side of, of data of going and doing kind of your economic analysis of that. So I love it. Yeah, and when we talk about consumer aligned uh, data product, uh, uh, th- this is the meaning, no? We are we are starting from the demand um, of data, uh, trying to extract all the domain knowledge that is employed to perform a business a, a business process, uh, and this is really consumer oriented, probably uh, in. Um, in, uh, now, now, now the um, Zamak uh, is changing uh, a bit, uh, saying that is a fit for purpose um, data product, no? Um, and then uh, we are going backward because, okay, when you start from the business decision, you realize that need that you need some data, but maybe this data uh, uh, is not present in your data product map. So you realize that you need to build another data product uh, in order to fulfill uh, um, the, the requirements. So we, we are going backward until we hit uh, with the, the source-oriented uh, uh, data product. And we are doing this uh, with, a, with a workshop. So it's a collaborative workshop uh, with business stakeholders. So... Uh, Typically now in, in the pandemic we are doing uh, everything uh, with Miro, uh, but uh, obviously it's possible to do it uh, also live uh, with uh, uh, whiteboards or yeah, actual sticky notes instead of just yeah. the little uh, uh, yeah, Miro exactly. board sticky notes. But yeah, also be- because live uh, when you are live in, in a room is easier to to get engagement uh, from uh, business people and so on. Uh, but uh, I can ensure that um, in the first phase, so when when you have just to map uh, the the business process, uh, maybe business uh, stakeholders will be a, a, a bit annoyed because probably they have done this uh, several times. No, uh, yeah. okay, I need to explain again <laughs> the process from the start to the end. But when uh, when they start to talk about uh, how to automate uh, their job, uh, how to uh, speed up uh, their uh, time-consuming uh, tasks and so on, uh, they 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 are getting uh, engaged, and 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 the workshop uh, is very also is also fun, no? Because you can uh, you can think, you can uh, wonder uh, whatever you want. Uh, and and you can start to to draft uh, how how to reach the goal. So um, yeah, I, I can see that you 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 say, hey, uh, I'm not just here to try and shove some data in front of you. I'm here to actually listen to you and serve what your needs are. I understand that you've explained this before, but we there wasn't necessarily a great bridging between what are your needs. And then what are we going to do to serve that and, and not just serve it once, right? I think this is the thing with data mesh is the repeatability is you're, you're, you have an owner around this data. And if it's changing, 
you're going to know about it if you're, you know, signing up to kind of know about changes and things like that, where there's going to be care to this. And it's not a one-off where we're going to try and change your, make you more efficient by changing your process today instead of we're going to inform you and, and evolve with you as your needs change and, and that. I, I think that's the empathy aspect. And, and I haven't heard, I mean, you're kind of talking about consuming domain rather than producing domain, but I, I do think that this can get domains as well bought in, right? Where you say, hey, domain, we, we're going to want you to serve up your data, but first let's talk about what your needs are and then we'll also help you get that data yourself. Um, that you're, you're kind of getting more and more people bought in um, as to this can be helpful because it's the it's kind of a reverse prisoner's dilemma of, uh, you know, where you say, hey, yes, if I don't do any work and I just get the, the, the data, am I the best off? Probably. But if everybody does all of the work um, to share your data effectively. So I, I, I like this, this um, concept of, of the focusing on the people, right? Because it is, you know, socio-technical with data mesh, people are like, they just want to talk about the technology. And you haven't said a single word about the technology. And that's awesome. Yeah. I really appreciate that. <laughs> Uh, also, think about uh, how, in a let's say in a, in a data warehouse uh, environment, uh, how how the same process uh, is driven. Uh, typically, there is a technician that is uh, mapping all the source system. Is mm, not talking uh, with with the business uh, stakeholder. Is mapping the tables in in the source system. Is modeling them and rationalizing them. Obviously. Uh, losing the semantic flavor of the data because when you rationalize too much uh, the data, uh, you're losing semantic. No, and the, in the end, maybe you have a 50 page of uh, Irwin schema or Snowflake schema, or uh, I don't know how, how many <laughs> other way to model the data you have. No, and you present this on to the business. And they can even not understand what, what you are presenting. No? There is an information gap between uh, the representation of a, of a data warehouse and what a, a business stakeholder can understand. No? So it's a, it's a passive communication from the technical guy to the stakeholder and the stakeholder who say, okay, but then I will have my data. I can, uh, I, I, I can uh, play with that. Yeah, yeah, sure. Don't, don't worry. And then they will discover in the end that, okay, to, to consume such data, they have to join 10 tables and they don't know which are the, 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 join, uh, the, the join semantics to apply, no? to extract the business concept. So yeah. instead, if you start from, from the end, from the business concept, from what you want to achieve, uh, it's far easier and also... Uh, in the way you present uh, to the business stakeholder the, the output of this uh, of this work uh, is very easy to understand for uh, for them. So they are really <laughs> following you, no? Um, yeah, it's, it's it's you might not want to call it this because you are a technologist, but what you're doing is data product marketing, right? It's, it, it is the product marketing, and it's the product management, but it's even kind of the pre product management side of product management of like, 
going and, and querying your, your people and, and uh, that your potential consumers. And, and I, and I like that and kind of what you talked about with the data warehouse as well of, of, you know, can I use this if I'm the domain or have I dropped all of my semantics and my context on the floor? I'm trying to talk about data mesh a little bit about it's attempting to, it doesn't mean that you wave a magic wand and it happens, but that you maximize the context of the data that you're sharing and you maximize the usability, right? Data warehouse has always been about maximizing the usability because it's, you know, it's very, very structured. So if you want that structured query that has been put together, boom, it's very, very usable, but that's the only aspect of the usability, right? It's, it's not that you, uh, that it makes it easy to, um, kind of data spelunk of go around and just try and figure out what have you got or do cross domain things and, and do all of that. So this is, is really, um, I, I love this approach and, and I'm, I'm just even thinking about how you could talk to a team about approaching this. I, I see this as, oh, I could see people's eyes starting to light up about it. So, yeah. And also let me add that, uh, when you are closing this informative gap, uh, between the data engineer, uh, or the data modeler and, and, and the business stakeholder, this is the first step towards a cross-functional team, no? Because you you are able to work in the same team if you are talking the same language, if you understand if you understand each other. Uh, otherwise, uh, you can be also in the same team, uh, but with totally different languages, totally different expectation, and uh, in the end, uh, that that's one is not. Uh, a cross-functional team is a um, customer-supplier relationship. So, yeah, um, it's, it's put it as put it on my Jira backlog is what the the or, or put together a Confluence page about it is what the the data engineering team says, and they're like, we'll get to it when we get to it, and it's not that they can fully grok what the the person's trying to achieve, and but it's also that then the the business person isn't able to easily communicate what that is without an actual conversation, right? That, that conversation, that back and forth is where you fill in those, those contextual gaps and that we're not dropping context on the floor where we say, hey, um, I'm the business person. Somebody needs this data. I just need you to create a pipeline and push this data to them. And so the data engineer doesn't necessarily know the context of the business or the context of the consumer. <laughs> and so... You know, I, I like this and, and um, I'd be interested to, to think through this about how often this gets redone, right? That this isn't just a one-time thing, but like how often, I know it's early enough in your implementations, even though it's been almost two years, that you probably haven't had to redo these constantly, but like how, you know, product management is about keeping the product fresh and keeping the features relevant to the consumers. So it's an interesting concept. I'm not asking if, if you've got answers, awesome, but I'm not expecting anybody to have answers on that for how to do this with data mesh for everybody for, uh, you know, a, a year or two before we really start to, to figure that out. Yeah. But. Yeah. This is mainly for, uh, for the inception, um, no, to to start uh, to draft the domain and uh, all the 
the data products uh, when when or, or when the dom- the domain in the analytical space is is not exist uh, or when you have to to do a transition from um, from a different paradigm like uh, data lake or data warehouse because uh, if you have a data warehouse um, you 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 Maybe you even don't know which are the domains, uh, and uh, you, you don't have an idea of which are the the, the data products. No? So um, you have to start from scratch to identify domains and data products, and, and then uh, you you understand how to perform the transition from the two practices. No, because uh, it's it's really a, an inversion of uh, of control. Uh, in, in in the process uh, also in in the change management process so yeah, it's totally totally different story fascinating and and um you know when you're talking about kind of existing data products a lot of companies are thinking of those as kind of data assets which i actually think is a good phrase for them because their assets depreciate right like they they lose value if you're not constantly um kind of maintaining them and then combining them into a product, I think is, is interesting and giving them the capabilities to manage it as a product. So uh, this is, uh, I really like this process. So once you're, you've kind of got this um, setup of what the, um, what data products you think are needed, whether it's consumer aligned or, you know, source aligned, you know, producer aligned, um, like what what then is kind of next steps or what what have you found and and also if you could talk a little bit about how quickly you're doing this across the business are you trying to do this with every domain up front or are you trying to do this you know domain by domain uh typically in in, uh, in i start from the end uh, typically in in the data mesh adoption you start from uh, one pilot uh, domain so you apply this uh, to such domain, and maybe in, in a specific domain you have several subdomains. So you repeat this workshop in, in several subdomains. For example, I don't know in in the HR uh, domain, maybe you have uh, people development, uh, recruiting, uh, uh, training. So there are different um, different subdomains. Uh, that you can map uh, with with this process, um, but uh, obviously you, you try to create some um, some segregation uh, at domain and subdomain level to keep the workshop duration uh, manageable. No? Uh, <laughs> I, so, I was just thinking this could be a multi-week type of thing versus yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's something that could uh, could last for two, three weeks, depending on on the size of of the domain. Also, because then uh, after we finish uh, with the canvas, we formalize everything with the um, uh, with the bounded context canvas. That is a way to represent uh, a, a bounded context. 
uh, we we tweaked uh, a bit this canvas to 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 be aligned with the data product uh, semantics. So you have the input ports, the output ports. Uh, you, you have the, the full list of input and output, uh, uh, and so we are creating. Uh, uh, one of these canvas for each data product. And this become a, a kind of high-level design uh, for, uh, for, for the implementation, for the data product team, I mean. That's awesome. And um, so once you have that implementation plan, you know, what, what, what is next steps for, from that? It's, is it just kind of building it or... And, you know, um, I don't want to get too deep into what you're doing from the the platform side, at least on this one. I, I probably will want to have you back to talk about what you're doing on platform stuff. But, you know, um, okay, we've got alignment on what we think we need. You know, maybe, yes, every single domain is very different. But, like, if you can talk about how many data products you're seeing per domain or, or relative to size of domain or things like that, like, what what... And timeline as to how long it takes to go from implementation plan to actually, you know, V0.1 to V1. Yeah. Right. Lots of questions. Uh, I, I do that a lot. <laughs> Apologies. Pro pro probably to, to address the, the platform capabilities, uh, we need to have another, <laughs> yeah. another session. No? But uh, if we assume that we have a... Um, a platform with all the key enabler uh, in place, so with all the abstraction for uh, provisioning, uh, uh, all the templates to build um, the data products, so all the, the blueprints no, to build yeah. the data products in, a, in, a, in an easy and repeatable, uh, repeatable way. Uh, then the, the implementation of, of the data product uh, is totally up to the data product team. So we, we provide this, uh, uh, this canvas to the data product team. Um, obviously, we as a consulting firm, we, maybe we augment the team uh, of the data product owner. Um, the implementation time for, for a single data product, uh, if you have all the templates ready, also observability, data quality, so everything must be in place. Uh, and this is the, big, the biggest part of, of the data mesh journey. Um, right now, we, we, we see that for simple data product uh, is something that is two days, three days, something like this. Um, so it's, it's it's quite fast process. Uh, obviously, if instead uh, you have to to put a, I don't know you have to you have a, a machine learning model uh, no inside your data product that is scoring a huge data set and creating propensity models or stuff like this. Obviously, it, it will take the same time that. Uh, it's taking now to to build the same uh, uh, the same business logic in in another context, but uh, the data product implementation once you have automated everything uh, with the platform capabilities is very straightforward in my opinion. Very interesting, and and you know once you have the product out there. Um, what are you doing to to kind of think about life cycle and what are you doing to 
to measure success of that data product. You know, I've seen some people talk about, oh, if this data product is uh, is reused, that's that's a, a sign versus you know number of of things that uh, of times people access it. Um, you know, sometimes there's even value in people knowing that they can get to this data. So they stop creating shadow copies and it's not that they actually need the data very often, but it's, it's like, you know, reduction in shadow copies, which is impossible to measure, but it's, it's a thing. Right. Um, so how, how do you think about measuring success and, and, you know, it's a product, right? So it's got a life cycle. How, how do you think about um, that, that likes life cycle management? Yeah. Uh, typically, we, we, we set up uh, um, net promoter score on, uh, on, on data products. So um, it, it should be possible for users to exchange opinions, also to, uh, to, to let the data products be trust, trust, trustworthy. Um, and th- this is the first metric of, of success. No, no complaints <laughs> is good. But typically, pe- data consumers are always complaining about the data that, find, the, that they are consuming. Uh, the second metric uh, is the number of uh, <coughs> downstream data products. So how many... Uh, I, I prefer to... to um, to calculate how many downstream data products they have instead of how many data consumptions, because data consumption can happen also for data discovery or just for curiosity. So not really meaningful in in the value chain of uh, of the data. Uh, Instead, if someone else is building data products on top of your data product, this this is a very good, good sign of, uh, of value. Um, and more or less are, are, are this, uh, these two. So we, 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 we prefer to, um, to provide value to data product dependencies instead of uh, data consumptions. Yeah, I, I, I uh, was having this conversation with, I think Tristan Baker into it and, um, uh, you know, we were trying to come up with a model and I went all crazy and was like, oh, okay, so um, we don't charge anybody this for a single consumption because that's data discovery. But then if somebody only consumes from it like two to three times, then that gets charged at like 3x the rate to the data product consumer because they created something that somebody was like, I think there's value here, but it's not in a valuable state. And then beyond that, we, we charge it to the data consumer because, you know, and that we, we give credits back to the data producer because of, and it was like, oh, this is going way too, like, <laughs> let's get our bearings straight. Let's get, let's get uh, where we can um, understand, is this valuable? before we start getting into super, super costing models and super ROI models versus like, it's, it's funny, but it, we've got some data and we just make a data informed decision rather than trying to automate all the data to tell us what is a good data product and what isn't. You know, um, if you're creating, uh, you know, financial services, my, my account for financial services, 
a very, 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 very crucial service to me is when it generates my yearly tax document. But it does that once. So if it's trying to, to measure our consumers engaging with this product and, you know, and downloading their tax documents multiple times, like that's a terrible <laughs> thing for that specific one. So like understanding that it's, it's that it, exactly what you talked about of the informed decision versus the automated decision versus the, is, is, yeah. is really. But, it, but it's good that you're trying to, to build a, a building model because I, I'm also trying, uh, failing, obviously, as you said, uh, but uh, I'm really convinced that uh, paper use or pay as you consume model should be in place in a model like the data mesh. Uh, because this can incentivate to enhance the quality. Uh, also, you talked uh, several times about the maintenance, uh, not the long-term ownership. But how, how can you have long-term ownership if you don't have incomes from 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 the data product? So. Mm, uh, I'm really looking forward to, to address this point, but uh, uh, at this stage, uh, I'm failing like you. So yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a, a thing where, as a community, you know, I've talked about this a little bit on um, previous episodes of like Mesh Musings and stuff. Which uh, you know, a call to action is let's have discussions because exactly what you just said is uh, it's totally okay that we don't have answers for everything. And the more that we can share information and, and especially, um, you know, anti-patterns, what did you try that didn't work? Like that's that type of stuff. I want to prevent people from going down bad paths, right? So why, why did you try to go down this path? What were you trying to achieve? And what do you think was the blocker or what, why do you think it, it didn't work? And, you know, is this, is this something that uh, people should try again? It, it's a great question, you know, not just on this, but on online. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I can try to, to share a, a, a glossary that I made uh, recently where instead of saying what is it, a data product, what is it, an output port, I, I just said what, what is not, no? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. It is. Um, but anyway is uh, <laughs> in some way uh, making a uh, clarity uh, exactly it, it, it's kind of you know um, the term data product in the industry is generally a product that is heavily backed by data and analytics right and so you know within data mesh a data product is you know these read only products made of data right and so um even just that terminology of, you know, how do you differentiate between those two things is, is interesting. So, um, well, I, I, if you've got anything else that you wanted to, to share about kind of the, the product flow, would love to hear it, but this has been super, super useful. And, and I've, I've found it really interesting and fascinating. And I want to, I'll, I'll think about this more and I'll probably send you about 40 Slack messages over the next month about it too. <laughs> That, that that that's good, but uh, it's really hard to explain uh, w without practicing, no? Because it's a yeah. it's a it's a it's a workshop in the end, so you you need to to see the the question uh, that we ask to the stakeholder business, uh, and then how how we cut the the boundaries of the of the data products and so. But it, it, it's so. It's so soft uh, that yeah. uh, it's really hard to talk about that. 
It, well, and it's new, and but I, I think you did a great job. So, um, you know, with that, uh, would love to to give you a little bit of time to to say, you know, how people can get in touch with you, and if they if they want to have one of these workshops themselves and potentially uh, work with with Agile Labs, um, what's the best way to to get in touch with you or to find you? Uh, the best way to, to reach me is uh, on LinkedIn, probably. Uh, so feel, 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 feel free to connect to me and, uh, and write in, uh, in direct. And uh, obviously, as, a, as Agile Lab, uh, we, are, uh, we are providing several services around data mesh. So data mesh inception uh, workshops uh, or data Data, data product flow to identify domains and so on, or data mesh strategy. So it's uh, it's a journey, you no, know, discovering the readiness of an organization uh, to adopt the data mesh, and uh, and then we design the roadmap to to accomplish with that, and then obviously uh, the implementation of. Uh, of data mesh platforms uh, for for our customers, and in the end, uh, in the next future, uh, also a product uh, around data mesh uh, will uh, will come from uh, from us. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. I want to thank my guest today again. That was Paolo Plotter. Really enjoyed that conversation. Learned a lot from it. If you'd like to contact Paolo, his information is in the show notes. So please feel free to reach out. Both his email and his LinkedIn uh, profile link are are in the the show notes. So if you think he could be of help to you in some way, please reach out to him, whether that's to discuss what we covered today or for any other reason. He's been a great member of the community since the beginnings. Hopefully that interview episode was really useful for you. Please do consider getting in touch with guests from the show, from these episodes. Most have said they'd really love people to reach out to them. And please, as well, if you've got a minute, rate and review the podcast somewhere. It really is honestly super helpful for other people looking into kind of data podcasts to kind of get this in front of them. Data Mesh Radio is again provided as a free community resource by Data Mesh Understanding. It's produced and hosted by me, Scott Herleman. In April of 2023, I left Datastax, who were wonderful in getting the Data Mesh community stuff started, so give them a shout for streaming and real-time AI needs. But I left to start my own industry analyst kind of information-as-a-service firm. Our offerings are affordable, and you can do them on a one-off or a month-to-month basis. You know, read kind of, throw it on the credit card. Don't worry about like going through purchasing and things like that. The services include lots of practitioner roundtables, you know, one-on-one data mesh kind of planning or feedback sessions and tailored introductions to other data mesh practitioners that are focused around your topics of interest. You know, what, what are you actually running into challenges with? We also have some free programs around introductions and roundtables that people can kind of check out as well. Check the show notes or just go to datameshunderstanding.com for more info or helpful resources. As always, if you have suggestions for guests or topics, please do get in touch as well and have a wonderful rest of your day. Now let's hear that funky outro music.